You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Understanding the Ladder Rain, Episode 5, with Dan Gabbert. All right, we got to pray. I mean, we got to pray. Yeah. Dear Father, we are so delighted for the beautiful, beautiful Bible, your word to our hearts, that has such a powerful effect when it comes in contact with good, honest hearts. We hunger and thirst to be more like you, Lord Jesus. And as we spend this time together, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to do what only he can do for my heart and for the hearts of those who will be listening and contemplating and praying. In Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. This is actually a Bible study. It's not a long one. But in my mind, it's a very, very important one because there are all kinds of ideas about the latter rain, the early rain, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Number one, here's the question. Besides multitudes of people represented in Bible prophecy as water, what did Jesus say water represented in a believer's spiritual life? Again, letting the Bible answer itself. John 7, 38 and 39, Jesus says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this, but this, he spoke concerning what? The Spirit. So the note says, spiritually, water can also represent the Holy Spirit. His work, because the Spirit of God uses the Word. You'll see a quote here in just a minute. Water represents the Holy Spirit working through the Word, who, the Spirit of God who enters a person's heart to comfort and guide when that person receives Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Here's the statement from Desire of Ages 671. Through the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to the mind and impresses the truth upon the heart. It is by the spirit of truth working through what, everyone? Working through the word of God that Christ subdues his chosen people to himself. It's through the word, through the word of God, not word of men, that healing happens. Psalms 107.20, he sent his word. The people cried unto God for deliverance from their depression, their struggles, and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And I am so grateful for the healing power of God's Word um, that the Spirit of God uses. That's where the healing comes from. Number two, besides uninhabited, sparsely populated areas represented in Bible prophecy as earth, what did Jesus say earth represents in spiritual life? Well, here it is, Mark chapter 4. We're going to be spending a little time in Mark 4. But here is, is some talking about the Word of God, the seed. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much 
earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. The sower sows the word. There's the seed. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown whereat. Notice that the, that the earth, that the word was sown in, spiritually, is the soil of the what? The heart. By the way, when the Bible talks about heart, if you look up every place in the Bible where the word heart is used, every scripture, as strong as concordance works just fine, you'll discover that the heart that the Bible is talking about is actually talking about the activities of the frontal lobe. Particularly your power of choice, your intellect, and your conscience. Frontal lobe, orbital frontal cortex, right between your eyes and the backside. And earth, or ground, represents the heart, spiritually speaking. The note says the earth, the ground, represents the heart of a person's mind where the seed of God's word can be planted, find lodgment, and produce, through a believer's cooperative efforts, a healthy, Christ-like character. I like that, don't you? I mean, isn't that the call to be like Jesus? Amen. Question. What needs to happen to the soil, to the earth of the heart, in order for the seed of the word of God to grow? Something really big, and I wanted to put this in here because it's very, very important. People think, uh, Christians think that they can just take the word and use it and memorize it and don't have to worry about anything else. But watch this. Hosea 10.12 says, I'm reading from New King James in this particular uh, verse, by the way. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow, freshly plowed ground. By that fallow, I'm going to comment on that. Break up your fallow ground, your heart, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and, get the word, reigns righteousness. Reign. Wow. How many of you are farmers here? Um, both my wife Patsy and I were raised on ranches in, in um, North Dakota. And uh, we, we, uh, we raised grain, um, oats particularly, at least on our ranch, um, to feed the horses and stuff. My dad was a horse trainer. I rodeoed for years, Dad and I did, um, until he died. But bottom line is, um, what did you call ground that was ready for planting, that you had prepared for planting the year before? We called it summer fallow. It had been either, it had been plowed or something, but it was just laying there all busted up, waiting for a person to go over and disc it so it was smooth enough to actually receive the seed. So this is big. Are you willing to have the soil of your heart broken up so that the seed of the word of God can actually find lodgment and begin to grow. I can't answer that question for you. 
But I would hope you'd say in your heart right now, you know what, Lord? I want the fallow ground of my heart to be broken up. According to Hebrews chapter 3, the ground of the heart is hardened through the deceitfulness of sin that leads a person into unbelief. Here we see in Christ's Object Lessons, page 56, watch this close now, the garden of the heart must be cultivated. The soil must be broken up by what, everyone? Deep repentance for sin, poisonous satanic plants, habits of thinking that are ungodly must be uprooted by earnest effort in the name and strength of Jesus. This work he desires to accomplish for us and he asks us to cooperate with him. How do I cooperate with Christ? Hmm. Do you see it there? How do I cooperate with Christ to allow him to do his work in my heart so I can actually really experience the great blessings of the Word of God? Do you see it there? Repentance. How, what kind? Deep or shallow? Um, here's what repentance means. I, I shared this with you. Um, in, in the Greek, um, the Greek word, the root word where repentance originates, the verb repentance, is a Greek word metanoeo. It's Strong's number 3340. And you go there and go to the Strong's and cross-reference. The first three words in the definition for the Greek word metanoeo is to think differently. Does that make sense? True repentance... And that's a whole other study. But true repentance, brothers and sisters, is not just changing my actions. Scribes and Pharisees, their outward actions were, look pretty good. It's one of the problems with the Laodicean church is we have this thing about looking good on the outside. But godly repentance always leads a person to actually think differently. Now, according to the study we had day before yesterday, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So if, if I'm truly experiencing deep repentance, what am I practicing in my thinker? Whose thoughts? Christ's thoughts. Deep repentance always, if it's true repentance from God, always has a willingness to think Christ's thoughts about my circumstances. Bible Commentary, Volume 7, has this amazing statement to say, and repent, the life we live is to be one of continual repentance and humility, we need to repent how often that we may be constantly victorious. All that's saying is I need to constantly be practicing the mind of Christ, constantly practicing thinking his thoughts about the circumstances of life I face. And by the way, what's so exciting about that is the fact that when my thoughts become transformed, guess what happened to my feelings? My feelings start improving. Really something. 
I think it's Testimonies, Volume 5, page 310. And it says this, If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. The thoughts and feelings combined make up the moral character. So, so far we've learned that the water represents the Holy Spirit who works through the Word of God. Everybody there? Say amen if you are. Number, number two, we've discovered that the seed is the Word of God. The earth represents the soil of the heart where the seed of God's Word is sown. And the heart, the earth, hardened by deceitfulness of sin, must be broken up by deep repentance for sin until the Lord reigns righteousness. And by the way, He will reign righteousness. In fact, it's already happening. When God pours out His Spirit, what is He doing? Next question. Here it is. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23. Notice what it says. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my Spirit unto you. I will make my words known to you. Did you catch it? When God's Word, when, when God is pouring out His Spirit, what is He actually doing? <sighs> pouring out His Word. This is very, very big. Um, and when, look at the text closely. When God's Word is made known to someone and they turn at His reproof, what are they doing? Can anybody answer? They're repenting. They're changing their thinking. Deuteronomy 32, watch this. Now, in the, in the blue, in the, the things that are underlined, I did this. So please humor me here a little bit. But I, I just filled in the blanks a little bit just to clarify this text. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, saith the Lord. And hear, O earth. What does earth represent? Our heart. Hear the words of my mouth. Let my doctrine drop as rain. My what drop is rain? God's doctrine, His teachings. This is big when we get close to the, as we get closer and closer to the final outpouring of the Spirit of God. Guess what? He's going to move on His servants to be communicating. His doctrine, His truth. This is amazing. Let my doctrine drop as the rain Holy Spirit's work through the seed of God's Word. My speech, God's Word, Lord's speaking, distill as dew, as the small rain, the Holy Spirit's work, on the tender herb. This is the young developing character, the plant that has just come up out of the ground. Are you following? Just a young little plant. And the, and the Holy Spirit through the Word of God just works so gently, just like dew upon but notice what happens with the mature plant as showers on the grass. The mature character that's been developed through the Holy Spirit's continued work through the seed of the Word of God in the heart. Um, the reason I've got all this stuff up is because it'll be on the slides and stuff. So if you get a DVD or whatever and you go back, I want you to study this for yourself. Be a good Berean like Acts 17.11. Search the Scriptures daily to see if the things that Dan Gabbard and every one of the other speakers here at this camp meeting is, are really true, really so. Study for yourself. Number four, what is in God's Word that has such a powerful effect on our hearts through the spiritual reign of the Holy Spirit? John 6, verse 63. I love this text. This is Jesus speaking. 
It is the spirit that quickens, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are what, everyone? And what else? Whose spirit? Whose life? Christ's life. Watch this. Man, Desire of Ages 390, the life of Christ that gives life to the world is in His Word. Now, this is supernatural. You understand. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ actually wants to live in you through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. Do you have receptive hearts? Hearts that have been broken up, ready to receive more and more of Christ's life. Desire of Ages 671. Through the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to the mind and impresses truth upon the heart. It is by the Spirit of truth working through the Word of God that Christ subdues His chosen people to Himself, transforms them to be like Jesus. It's through the Word that Christ abides in His followers. Desire of Ages 677. Okay, I want us to go to Luke chapter 8 now. Luke chapter 8. Go with me in your Bibles. Luke chapter 8, I've got some questions. Some very important questions, but I want you to see it from the Word. Not just on the screen. From your Bible. Luke chapter 8. Let's do a little thinking. This is in the parable... Here again of the sower and the seed. And we're looking at the explanation of the parable of the four soil types. The four heart conditions that Jesus said um, men would be dealing with, would be experiencing. The hard, hard wayside soil of the, of the wayside that's been trampled and hardened. Then we go to the weeds the weedy soil, and then we go to the rocky soil, rocky soil, weedy soil, and then we go to the good soil. I want us to look just for a moment at the good soil, the soil that is soaking up the Word of God. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Here's the good ground, the good heart, the heart. Watch this. But, on, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, do what? And what else? They keep it and they bring, bring forth fruit. Do you see that? A good honest heart. I want to keep a good honest heart. How about you? One that is just ready to soak up more and more of the powerful Word of God. Because that's where the healing, that's where the transformation, that's where the preparation to be ready to meet Jesus in peace happens. Okay, here's a question. What does seed need besides planting in good soil? Thank you. What does water represent? Thank you. Amen. Okay, next question from Luke 8, verse 15. Look closely now. According to that verse, what does an honest and good heart do when the seed of God's Word is watered by the rain of the Holy Spirit? What does it do? Look at the verse. Don't look at me. Look at the verse. It keeps the Word and what else? And bears fruit. It keeps the Word and bears fruit. Keeps the Word and bears fruit. fruit. 
This is so good. Question, what's the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in an honest and good heart? Go, to, go with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. I think I've got it on the screen too, but go there. It's interesting in um, verse 19 and 20 and 21, it talks about the works of the flesh. But in verses 22 and 23, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. What's the difference between work and fruit? One self is producing and fruit is produced on the tree. Here's the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That means very, 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 very patient. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Anybody want to say amen? Those are the fruits. Now, I've, what's so interesting about this? Do you know that I was experiencing love, joy, peace, not much patience, but a little faith. And Did you know that I was experiencing all that before I even ex- accepted Christ? Do you know what the difference was between the love and joy and peace that I had before Christ with the love and joy and peace I had after when I received Christ and the Holy Spirit was working in my life? Know what the difference was? Tell me you want to hear it. Okay. The difference was I experienced love and joy and peace before Christ when things were going my way. As long as things were working out the way I wanted them to work out, I had a lot of love and joy and peace. Amen? But as soon as things went south... That means as soon as things went bad and things were not going the way, uh, the way I wanted it, what happened to my love, joy, and peace? It went south too. But when Jesus came into my heart by my decision, I said, Lord Jesus, you've got to live in my heart. I, I'm sorry for going my own way. Please forgive me. Please come into my heart. By the way, if you haven't done that, please do that right now in the quietness of your mind. The difference then was now when things go south, guess what happens to love, joy, and peace? It's still there. Because whose love is it? It's His that's instilling in me. Whose joy is it? The joy of the Lord is my strength, strength, my strength. Right, right? Whose peace is it? It passes all on. It's His. All the fruits of the Spirit are His that He's infusing into my heart, into the soil of my frontal lobe. Question, what's happening in the life of an honest and good heart that's keeping the Word of God? There's the answer right there. But whoever keeps the Word... Truly the love of God is perfected in him. 
By this we know that we're in Him. 1 John 2.5 The reason you see this on the screen, present tense, is and perfect tense is this. Um, do you remember from my other lectures what present tense in the Greek, what it entails? Not only just something is happening right now, it's an ongoing process. Whoever continues to keep the Word of God... John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciple. And indeed, you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Wow! But notice the word perfected, the verb perfected there. It's in the perfect tense. Now, what's so exciting about the perfect tense is this. Man, Act in the, the word keep, the verb keep there, the subject is in the active voice, it's acting, present tense, ongoing action. But the verb perfected is passive voice. It's something that's being done by an outside source of power to me. When you're passive, you're letting someone else do something to you. Guess who's doing it to me when I'm actively keeping the Word of God? Who's working in my life? Jesus is. And that perfect tense, the love of God is being perfected, that perfect tense expresses three things. An action in progress. I'm in the process of the love of God being developed, perfected in my life. The action is going to come to completion. God is going to complete the work Philippians 1.6, right? He that had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? And number three, God looks at the work of perfecting His character of love in my life. He looks at it as already existing as a completed result. When you're in the process, we call it sanctification. When you're in the process of sanctification, of cooperating with the work of the Spirit of God, studying the Word of God and doing your best by faith to practice it, God looks at you as already perfected. This is exciting. Anybody want to say amen or is it just me up here screaming and hollering? Here it is again. I just want to nail this down, brothers and sisters, because so many people are saying, oh, I made a mistake. and I... God doesn't condemn you. Get up and go back at it. Repent. Change your thinking. Go right back to practicing the mind of Christ. When someone through grace-empowered faith out of love for Jesus is continuing to practice obeying God's Word with an honest and good heart through the continuing work of the Holy Spirit, in their heart, God's character of love is being perfected in their life. And guess what God, the way God looks at you, He looks at you as the work already being complete. My Life Today, page 250, when it is in the heart to obey God, when efforts are put forth to this end, Jesus looks at this disposition and effort as man's best service and he makes up for the deficiency with his own divine merit. That means as long as I'm in this process of studying the word and soaking it up, God, you've got to change my heart and I'm, I'm doing my best to practice. I'm going to keep practicing what you're teaching me. 
as long as I'm in that process, guess what? Christ's perfect righteousness just covers me like a beautiful blanket. And God sees me as if the love, His love is already perfected in my life. Regardless of my defects and weaknesses and yada, 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 yada. Do you have a heart for Jesus? A good, honest heart? Are you in the Word studying diligently for yourself to protect yourself from the Sceva syndrome? Are you practicing what He's personally teaching you? Oh, please, please say yes in your heart. If you're not doing it, please start. God's waiting for you. Question. If a believer is determinedly and faithfully continuing to study and practice the Word of God with a desire to be like Jesus, what will they be sharing more and more and more and more? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34, Luke 6, 45. The more of the word in, the more of the word out. More of the word in, the more of the word. They'll be proclaiming, broadcasting what? The truths of God's word. And brothers and sisters, that's going to get stronger, stronger, and stronger and stronger in the lives of those who are continuing on to know the Lord, practicing the mind of Christ. It's going to get stronger and stronger because they're getting emptier and emptier and emptier of self. Habits of self that have trapped them all their life. And guess what the Bible calls it? The outpouring of the latter rain. It's the rain that actually completes the work of developing the character of Christ in the life of the believer. And what will the believer be doing as his character becomes more and more like Christ? Will he be hiding in the closet saying, oh man, I got some great truth. This is wonderful. I'm so excited. They will not. They will let their light shine like never before. And guess who will be doing it through them? Spirit of God. What will be the final result of receiving the early and latter rains? The final result, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. I want you to read it here before we um, look at the screen. Mark chapter 4. This is the real rain. The real latter rain. Someone who's in the growth process and they're growing Spirit of God is pouring His strength and power through that person's life as he practices the Word of God. Studies and practices. Mark chapter 4. Final result. Mark chapter 4. I'm starting at verse 26 now. Jesus tells the parable of the growth of the seed in the heart. And He, Jesus said... So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. What does the ground represent, everyone? The heart. And the seed is the... Okay, all right, you're with me. Verse 27, and should sleep and rise night and day, 
and the seed should bring spring and grow up, he knows not how. By the way, what's, what's growing? What's growing? When the seed is growing, what is actually growing? A plant of what? Character. A plant of character. Whose character? Christ's character. Little by little. Piece by piece. Oh Lord, I just discovered. Um, I think I got time. Let me share with just a little bit of what happened to me. When I first accepted Christ, I was so excited. Man, I found the word. I was living in Hollywood. I was bald, had a Fu Manchu, hair coming out of the back of my head. Woo! <laughs> and I was excited, and I, I decided I was going to start going to church because the only thing I knew is that Jesus died on the cross for me. I'd accepted that fact. It was mine. I owned it. And I decided I was going to follow nothing but the Word of God. So I started carrying a Bible, my Bible with me, the one my parents gave me when I was 15 years old, had my parents' name in it. Never read it till I was 26. But when I was 26, it came alive. Because I was ready. My soil had been busted up. And I had looked at the ceiling one evening and said, God, if you're really real and you've got a better plan for my life, I'm ready to listen. Cracked the book open. I read the entire life of Christ in one of the Gospels. And when the Gospel, when I read, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Nailed, getting nailed to the cross. It broke my heart. I realized he was dying for me. He was being nailed there for me and he was innocent. I said, Lord, if you'll have me back, I just want want to be back. I just want to serve you. Made a decision to make sure I was following God's word. Started going to church. Every time I step into church, I would just start weeping uncontrollably, just like a baby. Here's this big, tall, bald guy, and he's going, boo hoo 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 I was making noise. Some well-meaning church member would come up to me, and they'd, Duh tap me on the shoulder and say, is everything okay? And I'd look up with my crying eyes and I'd, I'd say, boo, boo, boo. And I'd start telling him about what Jesus had done for me using bar language, saloon language, <laughs> nightclub language. Did God condemn me because I was using nightclub language? It's all I knew at that point. But who had my heart? Jesus had my heart. It doesn't make any difference where you're at, where you're coming from, what you've done wrong. Bottom line is, if Jesus has got your heart, He loves you, and He's going to grow you if you're willing to go to the Word for yourself and read and... Respond to what he teaches you by the work of his Holy Spirit. Well, I grew from there. I won't tell you any more of the story outside of the fact that I used bard language for quite a while. And then I was studying one day in the book of James, James chapter 3, I think it is, verse 10. And I came across this text that said that blessing and cursing ought not to come out of the same aperture. 
and the Spirit of God turned the lights on concerning that specific habit that I carry, Jet. And I realized I've been using bad language. I knew I had to change. I asked God to forgive me. I felt so bad. I wept and I said, oh, Lord, please forgive me. Did he forgive me? He forgave me. He had my heart. So I never swore again, right? <laughs> Wrong. In fact, God actually gave me opportunities to practice swearing again. <laughs> Why did he do that? Because the only way you change an old habit is by practice. And he was giving me the opportunity to practice on real temptation. You'll hear more about that in my, in my uh, lecture on many, many time of trouble coming up tomorrow. So I started practicing the Word of God. And I'm still practicing the Word of God. And by the way, my language has gotten a little better. Even though once in a while I get, once in a while you'll hear something come out that is really not kosher. No, 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 no. But um, I'm growing. How about you? Are you growing? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's such an awesome journey because God doesn't condemn us along the journey. Remember the woman caught in adultery in Luke chapter 8? All those accusers. Jesus writes in the sand. I think he was writing what they were doing wrong that was in their hearts. And they saw that, and every one of them left. She, and I can just see here, I can just see this woman. It was me. Jesus gets up and look at, looks at her, and she's like this. There's so many people like this now, condemned by their own guilt. What did he say to her? Woman, where are your accusers? And I can just see her go... not here. And then do you remember what he said? Neither do I condemn you. Go and what? Practice the mind of Christ. Amen. Oh, Mark chapter 4. Here we go. Back to it. Got to finish up. Here we go. Mark chapter 4. Watch close now because I got some questions. So the seeds starting to grow in the soil, the farmer's looking, verse 28, for the earth, what does the earth represent? The heart. Yep, the heart of the mind. The earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, there's the plant, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, in other words, when the fruit is fully developed, what happens? The harvest he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Wow! This is good. Full grain of, in the head. Mature Christ-like character. And when that mature Christ-like character is developed, whew, how many true, healthy, good-hearted, honest-hearted believers does it take in order for God to finally say, you know what, the harvest has come. It's time to shut down shop. It's time for me to come back. 
Oh, someone says 144,000. Yeah, well, uh, you can argue you're, until you're blue in the face about literal or spiritual. But bottom line is, if you're arguing about it, your heart needs to be broken up. All I want to do is I want to make sure I'm in the process and ready for, at all times, letting the Spirit of God do His work in my heart through the Word. Amen? All right. The harvester represented in this parable is none other than Jesus Christ Himself. When the fruit of a Christ-like character is fully developed in the hearts of God's sincere believers, then Jesus will come to take us home. And I say, Amen. The Holy Spirit, Testimonies to Ministers, 506. The Holy Spirit is given to carry forward from one stage to another the process of spiritual growth. From the little plant, the guy is, who's still swearing, to a mature, Christ-like, Spirit-filled, Spirit-fruit-filled believer in Christ. The ripening of the grain represents the completion of the work of God's grace in the soul. Here's another one. Christ Object Lessons, page 69, very famous to Adventist Christians. When the fruit is brought forth, when the fruit of the Christ character is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Christ is waiting with what, everyone? Longing desire. Can you imagine? Wow! For the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. I want to be ready. How about you? I want to be one of those. What promises has God given us in his word to encourage us along this grace-empowered, faith-engendered journey of practicing to think and walk like Jesus? I love these promises. He that has begun a good work in you, Philippians 1.6, will what? Will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. We just have to stay submitted. What promises has God given us? Look at this. Be glad then, you children of Zion, you children of God. And rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former reign faithfully. As long as you're in the Word studying and responding and practicing what you're learning and praying your heart out, as long as you're in that process day by day, He is faithful to give you the former rain, that rain of the Holy Spirit. And He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain. James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. I took the liberty of sticking in some inserts there. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer, Christ Jesus, waits for the precious fruit, the habits of character of the earth. The what? Heart of the mind. Waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. Cooperate with the God to develop the character of Christ. For the coming of the Lord is at hand, and I say, Amen. What do you say? Today, you are to give yourselves to God. 
that he may make of you vessels unto honor and meet for his service. Today, you are to give yourself to God that you may be emptied of self, emptied of envy, jealousy, evil surmising, strife, everything that will be dishonoring to God. Today, you are to have your vessel purified that it may be ready for the heavenly dew, ready for the showers of the latter rain. For the latter rain will come and the blessing of God will fill every soul that is purified from every defilement. It is our work when, today, to yield our souls to Christ that we may be fitted for the time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, fitted for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I say, Amen, Amen. I want to make the best use of today possible. What do you say? There's a whole bunch more. I don't know about you. I just was thinking, this might be a good time to pray. What should we pray for? I'll pray and you pray and in your hearts you talk to Jesus, would you? Talk to the Lord with me and uh, let's just ask Him to just strengthen us to experience the true reign of God, the true work of the Holy Spirit through His Word. I don't know about anybody else in this auditorium, but dear God, here I am, and I am a mess. Oh yeah, I've got a few outward actions that look pretty good. But Lord, you know my heart. And Lord, my heart needs continual transformation. Please take it. Please, I just give you the right to take my heart. I believe that you died for me, Lord Jesus. I believe it. I'm so grateful that I'm no longer liable for all my mistakes and ugliness and everything else. Thank you. I, I want to continue to experience more of your reign, the reign of your Holy Spirit working through your word to soften and subdue my heart and break up the hard clods of habit that are enmeshed there. I want you to do that for me. Anybody else want the Lord to do that for him. Lord, we're asking for your Holy Spirit. You've promised in Luke eleven thirteen that it's your delight to give us the Holy Spirit, those that ask you, and we're asking. We want to experience the true reign of God, the true work of the Holy Spirit through the Word. Stronger and stronger and stronger as it comes down in torrents that moves us to communicate the three angels' message in all of its beauty and power in a character that is revealing the loving character of yours, dear Father. So please bless us. Please, dear God, don't quit on us. Fight for our hearts. And we just thank you because we're asking in Jesus' name fully assured that what you've promised, you are able and willing to perform. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. 
To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.